and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you once again for joining me today. Excited to have you guys here. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or like button, be sure you go ahead and do that right now. Leave me a rating, leave me a review. I'd love to hear what you guys are thinking. Now today on Speak a Dogcast, we have a great show lined up. The first segment today is A Day in the Life of a dog. Yes, all about that routine you should create for your dog, what you should do for a day in the life of a dog. Then we're going to have our Breed of the Week segment, followed by a client story. Haven't done one of those in a little while, so we're going to do that today. Then we're going to cap everything off with that listener Q&A. If you guys have any dog questions, training questions, anything like that for the listener Q&A, be sure you send me an email, questions at speakadogcast.com. But before we get going today, i got to give you that trivia question, and today's question is, which U.S. president's dog ripped a French ambassador's pants off at the White House? Now I'll give you the answer to today's question somewhere in the show, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. on Speak a Dogcast, it's a day in the life of a dog. Yes, this segment is going to be all about what your routine with your dog should look like. Now, this is going to vary a little bit person to person, depending upon your lifestyle, your dog breed, their needs, their exercise needs, things like that. But to me, there are some basic ground rules that we all should be doing with our dogs on pretty much a daily basis, you know. Now, routine. Let's talk about routine, the word routine. Um, I think a lot of people take it to an extreme, really. You know, they're they're almost obsessive about their routine with their dog. My dog has to be up at 5.30 every morning and they have to eat at 6.30 and they're going to eat exactly this much of this and this yogurt. And then at an hour later, we're going to feed them this particular treat at this particular time. And then they're going to know to go out and do their business at this other particular moment. And that's a little much, (laughs) okay? You know, I... As I've said before, and I'm going to say it again, any obsessive behavior is not a good thing. So even something like a routine, being too obsessive about it, whether it's yourself or whether it's the dog, any routine that's too obsessive is not a good thing, okay? Now, you need to be able to create a routine, so you have to create some kind of consistency, but you need to create some flexibility within that consistency. So what what do I mean by this? Like I said, a lot of people, really, their dogs expect to be awake at a certain time every day. I get that a lot where they go, oh, my dog never lets me sleep in. And Well, because you trained it that way. (laughs) You've actually conditioned that behavior in your dog. Yeah. Uh, You've reinforced or punished, right? Through reinforcement, through punishment, as we, we, we talk about all the time, you have created that behavior. Your dog doesn't have a clock or a watch and go, oh, look at that, it's 5.30, time to wake up. No, you created that behavior. This is what time I want to wake up. The dog doesn't think that. It's whatever time you wake up and then you reinforce that. Whatever time you wake the dog up, you take the dog. So if you take your dog out at 5.30 every single day, then that one day you want to sleep in, it's not going to happen because your dog expects to be up at 5.30 every single day. Um, So again, routine is about what you create and I don't want to be too obsessive with the routine that I create with my dogs. Little things like those flexibilities of sleeping in, they help, Uh, excuse me, they help you, so you don't wanna be too rigid about that, okay? However, 
let's let's talk about routine. So so okay, what are my what are my ground rules? What things do I think you need to be including in your daily routine? Let's start there. So our day is going to start with how we wake up. You know, when it comes to puppies, and I think I, I'm pretty sure I talked about this in my crating segment uh, and the puppy segment. When you open that door to the crate to let your dog out in the morning, and again, this is the assumption that you're crating your dog still, or you continue to crate your dog. When you open that crate door, you're actually setting the tone for the day, okay? Same thing if your dog isn't crated. When you open the door to let them go out and relieve themselves first thing in the morning, same thing. The way you open that door, the way you let them out is going to set the tone for the day. So if your dog is whining, if your dog is scratching at the crate, scratching at the door, barking at you, demanding, it woke you up, any of those things, then well, they're not ready to go outside yet because then that's the behavior you're reinforcing. And again, that leans toward the side of obsessive, okay? So it's important that you set the correct tone. Your dog needs to be focused, calm, and relaxed before you can open that door first thing in the morning. So that's a good side note to take. Now, when I wake up, I don't always go immediately over and let my dogs out, um, you know, right immediately, okay? Sometimes I wake up and I'll go make myself a cup of coffee. Well, sometimes I'll do more than that. We can make a cup of coffee, sit down, watch maybe TV, have some me time for 10 minutes, <laughs> okay? Uh, other days I will. I'll immediately get out of bed and take them out right away. I like to change it up so they don't expect it because, you know, I hear sometimes where, man, I... If I wake up in the mornings and I go to pee and I want to get back in bed, this is the person peeing, not the dog. <laughs> I want to pee and I want to go back to sleep. My dogs won't let me because the second I get out of bed, they think I'm awake and they think it's time to go out. Okay. Even if it's 4.30 in the morning. So it's because you've conditioned that again, you know, you woke up, you got out of bed, it's time to wake So if you can change up your routine in that sense, that you're not always waking up and immediately taking them out. And instead, there's a variation of, you know, 30 minutes or so in there. If sometimes you'll take them after this part of your routine, sometimes after that part, then they're not going to come to expect it at that specific moment. They're just going to wait and watch to you for guidance, which is what I like to do. I like to have my dogs just kind of kind of look at me. You know, don't worry about what time I'm going to feed you. Don't worry about what time you're going to go out because you're going to get fed. You're going to go out not going to starve my animals. Uh, absolutely not. And they know that that's just it. They look to me for that guidance. And that's a part of a good way to create that healthy routine is not be obsessive and instead just have your dog rely on you and know that, Hey, leader's going to take care of it. Okay. So again, that's the first thing. I don't want to let my dog boss me to get up and I want to make sure that I'm changing that routine up a little. Okay. So again, set the tone correctly, make sure they're calm and relaxed when we let them out of the crate or let them out of the door. We of course let them go and relieve themselves, right? After they relieve themselves, you guys know what comes next. If you've been listening to this podcast, we're going to go for a walk. Okay, we're going to go for a good walk. Now, if you have not listened to my segments on how to properly walk your dog, please go back. Take a listen to those. It's really important information. There is a right and a wrong way to walk your dog. Want to make sure you're doing it the right way. Okay, Walks are 85% mental, 15% physical. Okay. So what we're doing in our routine is we're actually creating that structure, rules, and boundaries first. We're creating some discipline to start the day, which is beautiful. That's what we want. That's awesome. Gives our dogs a job, gives them something to do, and give them, gives them some fulfillment. Okay. So again, proper walk. That's what we're going to start the day by doing. Now, once we've completed our exercise, all is well, we come back to the house. We're going to take a side note here and talk about this. Uh, you know, on the last episode, I had Dr. Jackie Lyle on from the Stuart Sound Animal Hospital, and she was talking more in depth about GDV and, you know, layman's terms, everybody, most owners know it as bloat. Uh, so we're just going to take a side note on this and make sure owners are aware of it. Um, and, you know, look, this is my rule of thumb for any size dog. Now, 
GDV, bloat, dogs with larger chest cavities, larger breed dogs, labs, Great Danes, those sort of things, they're going to be the dogs that are more prone to this. However, as I discussed with Dr. Lyle, uh, she talked to us and told us about any dog really can get it. And there's a lot of studies trying to be done to figure out exactly what causes it. But we do think one direct correlation that we know of is heavy exercise and eating a large amount of food. Okay, so I always have a rule of thumb of 45 minutes to an hour after exercise before feeding my dogs. Okay, I need my dogs to settle. I need their stomachs to settle. So 45 minutes to an hour before I feed them after we've done exercise. And then on the other end of it, once they have eaten, 45 minutes to an hour to let their stomach settle before we exercise again. Okay, so something to think about, something to look into. Again, you can check out episode 16, listen more in depth on the uh, guest spot about that. We really go into it. It's really, really good information, uh, again, about dogs more with larger chest cavities that are more prone to GDV or bloat. Okay, so we've exercised our dogs, we've created some structure, we've created some discipline, and now we've fed them. I really think it's important to do these things in that order, guys. It is, okay? We want to give that exercise and structure and boundaries first and then give the food after. You know, food is sort of like, it, it, it's, it's kind of affection when you think about it. It's not, but it is. Um, and reinforcement has to come after the fact. I can't, I can't reinforce a dog if they haven't given me the behavior <laughs> I'm looking for, right? So it's important that we exercise and stimulate and create that structure. Like I said, structure, rules, and boundaries first. That's the walk. That's the beginning of the routine. And then we feed them after. It's important we do it in that order. Uh, you'll notice a big difference, honestly, in your dog's mental state. I find they are so much more relaxed when I do it in that order. After they eat, man, my dogs conk out. <laughs> they really do. They're, they're like, good, I'm fulfilled. I had a great morning. We did our routine. I got my exercise, my, my, my stimulation. I got some rules and I feel good. I feel fulfilled. I got my food. I am happy. Okay. Now, again, is a dog happy? We're not getting into the ethical debate of how we measure happiness in an animal today. Uh, but what I can tell you is, again, tapping into instinct. I know that's how to instinctually fulfill a dog. Okay. So, again, important you do it in that order. Exercise, rules, discipline, boundaries first, then feeding them after. All right. Now, I know this is a lot. Everybody's going, my gosh, like I'm adding up the time right now, David. You said a walk. You said a break between the walk and eating then feeding and yeah, guys, it's a lot. Having a dog is a responsibility, okay? Now, if you have a Shih Tzu, you don't need to go for an hour and a half long walk, right? <laughs> but yeah, you have something like a, a German Shepherd, a Lab, some of these more higher intelligent breeds, no offense to Shih Tzus, uh, but working dogs, uh, dogs that really need a lot of stimulation. They need a good job. Then yeah, guys, you should be taking your dog for at least an hour long walk at minimum one of those every day. That's like you're talking bare minimum here. Okay. These dogs need a lot of stimulation and it's important that you're giving it to them in a healthy way. And as again, once again, I'm going to say it 20,000 more times on this podcast, the walk is the best, easiest, healthiest, and most natural way to do that. Okay. So yeah, it's a lot of time. This is why at the beginning I said, you might be waking up at 4.30 in the morning. Welcome to my world. <laughs> if I have appointments at 9 a.m., my day starts pretty darn early. And I mean, my day starts pretty darn early as it is, no matter what, uh, partially because I want to get some me time in in the morning before I have to let a thousand dogs out sometimes. Um, and partially because it's, it's, it's what I got to do to get to get everything done. Okay. So 
yeah, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of commitment. And this is why if you aren't prepared to do this for your dog, then maybe you should think twice about getting a dog because this is a day in the life of a dog. This is what a dog's day should look like. Okay. This is the healthiest, best way to set it up. Now, our dog is eating breakfast. We're still in the morning here. We haven't even gotten to coming home from work yet. Um, <laughs> once they've eaten, once they've settled, then we can have some playtime. Then we can take out the tennis ball, the toys, have some fun. Uh, playtime is a very important part of their day. You definitely want to do that, but we want to create that structure first. Uh, well, you can put structure with playtime too. That's the really cool thing. You can kill two birds with one stone sometimes. Talked about putting structure to playtime. Very good thing to do, very healthy. And again, could just give them that extra stimulation that they need to keep them happy. Now, once again, we're going to let them relieve themselves, of course, before we're off to work and then you head out for the day. Now, coronavirus has thrown a wrench in everything. I know a lot of you guys are probably working from home now, and that's a whole different side note here, you know. Um, look, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, guys, and I don't know how deep I want to dive into this today. We'll see where this goes. Uh, but I'll try to say, in <laughs> I'll try. In a nutshell, coronavirus should alter your routine with your dog. And I don't mean the virus itself. I mean the fact how it's completely altered our lives, right? Our routines. And you're going to need to change your routines with your dog. You're going to need to be doing some things differently, okay? Um, I'm, I'm really starting to get the phone calls now, and I kind of called this a couple months ago. I said, I feel feeling starting at the beginning of the year, I'm going to be getting the phone calls for the separation anxiety cases. And sure enough, it's happening. And of course, some of these dogs are like four years old and they never had separation anxiety until coronavirus hit. And all of a sudden, everybody's home all the time. We're not creating healthy separations with our dogs. Maybe we're almost coddling them a little more than we usually do. And there's there's a lot of little things that go into adding up and creating these behavioral issues. Um, but I'm seeing it a lot now. It's, it's out there. And, you know, we have to deal with these things. So, you really need to try to alter your schedule if you can. Little thing, you know, look, one little thing I'm going to say is you should probably, if, if you're home all the time now, if you're working from home, if someone is in your house almost all day, every day, you should probably be creating your dog a little bit while you're home. Okay. I'm not talking stick them in there for eight hours, nothing like that. There's no reason to do that. But I am talking like, put them in there for 30 minutes and go do your work or go do your Zoom call. Well, you know, you're on your Zoom calls. That's maybe when you should put your dog in the crate to create that healthy separation, because at some point you're probably going to get more back to normal, uh, maybe sooner rather than later, and you're going to be leaving the house again, and your dog is not going to know what to do with themselves if you haven't eased them back into creating a healthy separation, okay? So something like creating your dog for 30 minutes while you're home and letting them have that separation, then letting them out, of course, making sure they're calm. Go back to listening to the segment on how to create your dog if, you've, if you're going to have some issues with that, or you can listen to my segment on separation anxiety. That can help come into play as well. So there's a lot of good tools here uh, at your disposal just within my podcast to be help, help to deal and alter your schedule for, you know, the madness we have going on. Now, of course, guys, Definitely want to get with a trainer or a behavior specialist to dive more deep into this. Uh, if you're really having some issues, some behavioral problems, make sure you're tackling them. Don't wait for them to get worse. Head them off, call a professional, and get on top of this stuff. Really, really important, okay? Uh, so again, I, I don't want to dive too deep into how we deal with coronavirus and all that and our dogs. And, we, and you know, maybe I'll say, save that for another segment for another day or something. But um, suffice to say, you, you have to alter your, your routine in order to get your dog's routine back on track or just to get them used to 
being alone again, not having you there 24-7. Okay, so just something to think about. Okay, so getting back to it, let's say you do uh, leave for work, even if it's just a couple hours at a time. You know, what's really great is if you follow this routine that I gave you guys, which really simplistic, you know, sim- simply put, it's create consistency, but not too much consistency to a point of obsessiveness. Make sure you're letting them relieve themselves at least two to three times before you leave in the morning. We want to make sure we're creating structure boundaries rules first. We can do that through the walk of course, we have to go for a walk, have to, have to, have to. Then after the walk, we're going to feed them, minding you know, GDV and being aware of bloat and all that good stuff. And then once they've been fed, they're more fulfilled. We can have playtime, those kinds of things. And then we're ready to go for work. So again, if you kind of follow that 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 routine and do it in that order, you're going to find your dog's going to be perfectly happy and perfectly content and fine with you leaving for work. And that's awesome. That's what we want. Uh, again, as I've talked about before, don't make a big deal about leaving. Don't. Just, just just, walk out the door. You don't have to try to reason with your dog. Da, 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 da. Oh, I'm leaving. I'll be back. I'm only going to be gone a few hours. None of that stuff, guys. Your dog doesn't know what you're saying. I know you want them to, but they don't. They don't know what you're saying. So just, just stop it. You're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your own emotional needs. Just stop it. You're only going to make your dog more anxious. So again, pick up your keys, walk out the door, and that's it. No big deal because you're going to be back soon, okay? So think of it that way. All right, so you go to work, you come back. Now, when you get home, again, keep in mind, it's sort of no different than the beginning of the day. How you walk in the door, how you let them out of their crate, how you let them out, that is going to set the tone for the rest of the day. When I get home, I want my dogs to be happy to see me. I have no problem with that. Of course, I want my dogs to be happy to see me. But what I don't want is my dogs to be overexcited. Okay, I say... I like to say that I want your dogs to want to be with you, not need to be with you. (laughs) Okay. And there's an obvious difference, right? One's obsessive. One's obsessive. One is not. Okay. So I want my dogs to want to be with me. I want my dogs to be happy to see me, but not need to see me to the point that they're going crazy, that they're barking, that they're jumping, that they're whining, that they're, ah, no, none of that. None of that stuff. So when I walk in the door, If on the rare occasion, which it just doesn't really happen in my household, on the rare occasion, if my dogs are overexcited to see me, I ignore them. I don't look at them. I pretend they don't exist until they calm down. Once they calm down, I go over to them and give them lots of love and say hi. Okay. But they have to be calm. My dogs have figured that out. They know that. I've reinforced that. I've conditioned that. And when you know what? They're happy to see me when I walk in the door. Sure, my Goldens might go grab a toy, bring it over to me, wag their tail. That's about it. It's awesome. It's a great hello. It's a one. And then I can say hi immediately, give them some love and everything's great. Um, but if your dogs are overexcited, if they're whining, if they're any of those things, all you're doing is setting the tone if you give them affection. Okay. You don't want to give them affection and reinforce that behavior. So you need to make sure they're calm, make sure they're relaxed. Same thing if they're in the crate, make sure they're relaxed. Then we let them out. We set the tone. All is well. Okay. So just something to think about really important now If you do have one of those higher energy breeds, if you do have a working breed, if you have one of those dogs who you know needs extra stimulation, guys, then guess what? One of the first things you should do when you get home before you sit down on that couch, because otherwise you probably aren't going to get back up. Let's be real. Um, You've had a long day. You're exhausted. So I really recommend when you first come home after letting your dogs relieve themselves, go for that walk immediately. Get out on a walk. It's going to be good for you. The dog is going to love it. You're going to get them on that second walk. Of course, weather permitting. You know, I don't think I've mentioned it on this podcast, especially for you Floridians and anybody who lives in a really hot environment. And I mean, come on, it gets hot. It gets hot everywhere in the summer. Uh, But rule of thumb, guys, rule of thumb. 
if it's really hot out, you can you don't want to be walking your dogs on concrete or asphalt when it's too hot. Okay, it can actually blister their pads. It can literally rip their pads apart because the heat is so intense. So rule of thumb, you want to take your hand, you want to put it to the asphalt or the concrete, you want to hold your hand there. If you can't hold your hand to the asphalt and concrete for five seconds because it's too hot, then it's way too hot for your dog. Okay, it's the five second rule. Not about picking food up off the ground and eating it. (laughs) I don't know that the five second rule exists anymore in the coronavirus world. (laughs) But no, the five second rule for your dog's paws. Okay, seriously, especially uh, I know it's winter right now, but in just a couple months for Florida, geez, it felt like it was over 90 degrees today and yesterday. So forget I said that. Uh, But really, I can't stress it enough. Put your hand to that ground. Hold it there for five seconds. If you can't, it's too hot to walk your dog. It still amazes me. I mean, I live in South Florida, guys. I can't get over in the summer how many people I see walking their dogs at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, oh, my God, what is wrong with you guys? I don't walk my dogs usually past about 9.30 to 10 a.m. in the summer. Really? Really? You heard me right. Anybody who doesn't live here, you don't get it. Uh, About 9, sometimes it's even earlier, 8.30 to 9. Sometimes that sun comes up and and everything just like lights on fire around you. It's in a humid inferno. Um, So again, Floridians, anybody listening out there in hot environments, please, 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 please abide by the five second rule. If it's hot, you need to be careful with your dog's pads. Okay. Uh, Sorry, we went on a little rant there, but it's something I realized I haven't talked about that at all. That's an important detail. Something really good to know. So, uh, so again, you get home, you go for a good walk, you go for some good exercise. You know what? Maybe go to the dog park at that point, right? Take your pup out, go to the dog park. You don't have to do that every day, guys. And again, be mindful of what dog park you're at. Go back, listen to my segment on dog parks. You'll, you'll hear my thoughts and more. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that's a good time to go to the dog park in the afternoon. Let them have some fun. If they've been really good, they're doing great on the walks. We can reinforce that behavior by letting them have some free time. Okay. Uh, so really good stuff there. Make sure you're going for that healthy walk when you get home. You bring them back. The structure doesn't disappear. And then you know something? By then, your dog is going to be exhausted. Your dog is going to be fulfilled. You're not going to really have to do too much more in your routine. That's the cool thing, is if you start this stuff off correctly at the beginning of the day, you'll find the routine takes a little less time uh, uh, to accomplish because your dog will get used to it more. They'll become fulfilled. They know their place. They know their routine. They know their job. They know what to do and everything kind of become more compact and more (laughs) routine. Um, so, you know, once you get home and once you do that second walk, you'll be surprised that your dog's going to be a lot less needy. They're going to be happier. Of course you can play with them some more. There's no, you know, there's really no shortage of playing. You can't play too much. Um, and another side note, go for another walk. You really can't go for too many walks. Now, (laughs) now here's the thing when I say an extreme like that you can't go for too many walks of course you can right you you don't want to exhaust your dog you don't want to wear them out to the point of past exhaustion nothing like that but look the average most owners don't walk their dogs enough vast vast majority of owners do not walk their dogs enough so I will say things like hey you can't walk your dog enough because most people won't even do the bare minimum um, so yeah of course you can overdo it but guys there's nothing wrong with going a, going for a couple walks a day really uh, if you want to shorten them up a little bit and go for a handful of smaller walks there's nothing wrong with that either as long as you're keeping the structure the rules the boundaries in place then you're doing just fine. But again, you know, go, go for more walks. Get them out there as much as you can. That's going to help um, make them happier and healthier, okay? So really, a day in the life of a dog should be pretty simplistic in the sense that we want to have structure, rules, boundaries first, 
Then comes the affection side, the food, the petting, the playtime. Remember, playtime is a form of affection, okay? So you want to do things in that order, and it's important that you tackle things in that order. Okay, so no matter what you're doing, if you're going to the beach for the day, if you're going to the dog park, if you're going to doggy day camp, if you can keep structure throughout all of these times and you provide those rules in that order, structure first, then the affection, okay, if you can do that, then a day in the life of the dog is going to be pretty easy. It's going to be pretty awesome. Okay. Now, on your weekends, your 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 schedule can change a little bit because I can hear people going, wow, do I really have to do this seven days a week? Ideally, yeah, <laughs> or at least some form or variety of this, okay? I get it, guys. Walking your dog seven days a week when you have eight-hour eight jobs and kids, and I get it. It's not always ideal, but you should be aiming for that. That should be your expectation of what you try to hit weekly, really, it really should. I can't stress that enough. Um, so, yes, of course, be realistic about your own lifestyle, your own needs, what you guys have. But, hey, if you've got kids, guess what? If they're old enough, they should be going out and walking that dog, too. So we can be getting four walks in, and you're only taking your dog for one of those walks, right? Um, there's all these different ways. That's what I'm saying. Know, know your lifestyle, your family. There's ways to adjust and make this work for everybody and keep your dog stimulated, healthy, and happy. I can hear people rattling off excuses of, well, David, you don't know my family. No, I'm sorry. There's no excuse. If you're going to get a dog, this is what you need to do. This is what needs to be done in a, a day in the life of a dog. I've said it like eight times now. <laughs> but it's true, guys. It's true. I don't want to hear the excuses. I tell them, I don't like hearing excuses. I don't care. Because you know why? Your dog doesn't care about your excuses. So therefore, I don't. It's nothing personal. It's not being trying to be mean. It's the way it is in the world of the dog. Okay. That's that's the just that's the truth. I can't sugarcoat that. That's just ridiculous if I am. So some of you might view me as being mean right now, but I don't care. If you can't handle this responsibility, yes, having a dog is a responsibility. If you can't handle that responsibility, don't get a dog, get a bearded dragon, <laughs> get a cat. There's all different kinds of pets out there that are suitable for everybody's lifestyle and needs. And there's nothing wrong with except I love when, look, just recently I was in a retail store and I got to chatting with the guy that was a salesman who was talking and he found out what I did for a living. He goes, oh my gosh, that's so cool. He goes, oh, I wish I could get a dog. You know, I wish I could get a dog, but I can't. He goes, I work 12 hour days and it wouldn't be fair to the dog. And I'm like, oh my God, can I give you a hug? <laughs> you just made me so happy that you just said that. That's phenomenal that he recognizes that, okay? Now, I do want to give a shout out right now over to Mutual Rescue and Carol Novello. Now, a couple episodes ago, Carol came on my show on the guest spot to talk about her organization, Mutual Rescue. You guys can check out their website, mutualrescue.org. Lots of good information on there about more about what they do. Uh, but what I really wanted to talk about specifically, and actually there's a tab at the top of the website you can click, it's called Doggy Day Out. And that's what I wanted to talk about. Really neat program, really neat initiative where Mutual Rescue is trying to team up with uh, rescues around the country in different states. And what they do is that, you know, people who maybe don't have the time to dedicate fully to a dog, what Doggy Day Out is, it allows you to come into the shelter Take a dog out for the afternoon. It's like a doggy day out afternoon. You get to have some one-on-one -on -one dog time. The dog gets to get out of the shelter, maybe go for a walk, have a fun field trip somewhere, and everybody ends up benefiting. You know, you get your dog time in, dog gets some out time, maybe even gets the dog some exposure to other people that might even end up adopting the dog, right? There's a lot of good things that can come out of it. So again, you can check that out. Uh, again, my previous episode with my guest, Carol Novello from Mutual Rescue, mutualrescue.org. You can go there and see if there's 
there's any rescues in your area that are participating in this program. And if not, hey, reach out to your rescue. Tell them to get a hold of Mutual Rescue and see if they can't team up. So really neat thing I just wanted to mention there. Now I want to get back on track and let's make sure we're recapping and we go over everything. So, you know, we yeah, we didn't quite finish, right? We talked about the morning. We talked about what to do with our dog uh, the afternoon when we get back. But what about the evening? What about feeding time? So, you know, like I said, if you've been doing everything in the correct order, you've been giving your dog that fulfillment, your evening should go a lot smoother and be a lot easier. Now, of course, if you have a younger dog, if you have a smaller dog, if you have a dog that maybe his bladder it just isn't quite as big, you're going to want to maybe feed them a little bit earlier in the evening so they have time to settle, digest, and that way they can relieve themselves fully before they go to bed. So, you know, just a thought to put out there depending upon your dog, your breed, all that kind of good stuff. Now, again, uh, you can go for another walk. <laughs> you can go for a nice little evening stroll before bed. There's nothing wrong with that, especially if you have a young puppy, right? If you have a young puppy, that exercise in your routine, morning, afternoon, evening, should definitely be maximized. You should be doing more exercise than the average owner because you have a young dog with a lot of energy. Um, so keep that in mind as well. Now, going to bed, guys, same kind of thing with that routine. I don't want to make it too obsessive. And same thing with dinner time. I create a range of time where I feed my dogs in the mornings and in the evenings. Now, my schedule is more flexible. Um, I, I, you know, I make my own schedule. My appointments kind of change all the time. So I get to be a little more fluid, and, and that is one perk in what I do. But, you know, normally my morning, I'll give about a two-hour window that I tried to feed them in, and then in the evenings, too. I think I kind of briefly touched on that before. Uh, usually between, like, 6 to 8 o'clock at night, try to feed them. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with feeding them a little later, a little earlier. Whatever suits your needs best, so long as you're taking those other, other variables into consideration, right? Um, so... Keep that in mind with feeding and then, of course, bedtime. Again, I don't want to be too rigid. They don't need to get in their crate at 7 p.m. and be in there. No, it doesn't need to be anything like that. Really, they can go with the flow. They can go to bed when you're going to bed. My dogs, you know, they know last time I take them out for the evening is going to be pretty much right before we go to sleep. So they kind of are aware of that. Oh, it's the last time we're going out for the night. And then when I bring them in, they usually head straight to the bedroom and they're ready to go to sleep. And even if I'm up for an extra 30, 45 minutes, they're already passed out in the bedroom because they've had their fulfillment for the day. They're good to go. They know it's bedtime. So uh, they can kind of follow your lead on that for the most part, but if they're tired and fulfilled, they're going to want to pass out anyway. So again, I don't want to be too rigid about that from morning to wake up time to evening. So I just want to kind of recap, guys. We want to start our day structured. We want to make sure we're controlling everything in a nice structured way, the way you let your dog out of the crate, the way you let your dog out in the morning to relieve themselves. That's going to set that tone for the day, and you want to be aware of the tone you're setting and making sure you're starting with that structure, the rules, and the boundaries. Then we want to go for a nice big walk. Always starts with a good walk, getting that exercise, more rules, more structure, more discipline in, and then we bring them back, and we have our feeding time. Always be mindful of GDV and bloat, of course, with the timing on that. Uh, then after we fed them and everything, then comes the affection, the playtime, all that extra good stuff. Making sure we're leaving enough time, of course, for them to relieve themselves once we need to leave for work. Now, we touched on coronavirus a little bit and how that can kind of play with your schedule. And maybe you should be altering your routine and your schedule a little bit with your dog. Um, but of course, again, if you're gone for a couple hours out of the day to go to work, when you come home from work, we're not going to treat it much differently than first thing in the morning. We want to make sure we're not reinforcing any anxious behaviors when we get home, making sure our dogs are calm and relaxed before we acknowledge them and give affection or before we even let them out of the crate. 
We're going to let them relieve themselves and then maybe, hey, go immediately for a nice good walk. Maybe head to the dog park, playtime. Again, creating that structure rules boundaries first and then the affection and all that kind of stuff second. Okay, so let's always remember to do it in that order. Very important. Now, if you've been doing everything right by the evening, everything's going smooth, hunky-dory, all is well. We'll feed our dogs dinner time. Again, not at a specific set time. Keeping everything structured and routine, but not too rigid so we can go with the flow. Same thing with bedtime. Remember, we want our dogs to just kind of go with the flow, right? So it's good that they take the lead from you and they just kind of follow and then they know when, when to go to bed. Not too, again, we're not making it too rigid. So if you guys take these guidelines to heart, follow them in the correct order and, and implement these things in a healthy way, you're going to have a much more fulfilled dog at the end of the day and that really is how you create a good day in the life of a dog next on speak a dog cast it's our breed of the week this week's breed of the week is the bloodhound of course, the Bloodhound is a member of the Hound Group, and they can be pretty large dogs. Males can get to 90 to 110 pounds, while females are in the range of 80 to 100 pounds. Bloodhounds are known for being sweet, lovable dogs. We all know them with their wrinkly faces, those big, droopy, long ears, big, deep-set eyes as well, and they are sure to sucker you in. We also know that those powerful noses, well, it can make them a little bit of a stubborn dog. Once these guys get on a scent, it can be very hard to break them off of it. Now, while these guys can be great with kids and families, caution has to be taken with them when they're on leash. As again, once they get on that scent, they might bowl you over and pull you down. So starting training early, doing some obedience work, while it might be a little difficult, it's important to start it young. Yeah, training can be a little bit of a challenge for those not familiar with the breed and maybe those not familiar with dog training in general. Now, unfortunately, the breed, they are prone to a few health ailments. They're known to suffer from a lot of gastrointestinal issues, uh, with GDV or bloat being in unusually high in bloodhounds. They also suffer a high rate of eye, skin, and ear ailments. You know, with those large dangling ears, it's very important that owners keep an eye on them to ensure that they steer clear, uh, stay clear of infection. As with other large breeds, hip and elbow issues can also arise and they are commonplace. The origins of the bloodhound, well, really, they're kind of unknown. In the 3rd century, the scholar Elian makes mention of hounds with scenting powers so intense and unrivaled that the dog could not be pulled off the scent until his quarry was found. Now, it would appear the bloodhound is the oldest extant hound that hunts by scent, and they helped contribute to other hound breeds such as the black and tan coonhound and other coonhound varieties as well. The breed was perfected in Western Europe over the course of a thousand years, and you know what those powerful noses today? Bloodhounds are the go-to dog for finding people, yes. Police forces around the world, search and rescue teams, they all go to the bloodhound because of those strong noses. Look, those noses, they're so strong. They're so strong that they can smell a person's scent and follow a trail that's even a few days old. There really is no technology, nothing else that can match the power of the bloodhound's nose. In pop culture, of course, we know them portraying a few different characters, such as Clifford the Big Red Dog, and one of my favorites, Hank Hill's beloved dog Ladybird on King of the Hill. Are you tired? 
tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. on Speak a Dogcast, it's a client story. Now it's been a little while since I've done a client story and I might mismatch a few together today actually. Um, <laughs> really kind of what I wanted to talk about is clients who don't listen. <laughs> oh boy, have I had a few of those over the years and I'm sure anybody out there can relate to this. You know, um, it, it is, it, it really kind of, uh, it amazes me people spend money on something, right? Especially something like getting advice. And then they take 0% of the advice that they spent money on and they find themselves in the exact position they were before they even started. You know, uh, I don't get that. I, I, I really don't. I don't I don't comprehend that. I don't understand the point of that. It feels like a waste of money, a waste of time. But I get a few of those clients, um, you know, I've had a few over the years and there's one in particular that, that really sticks out and it was a very interesting scenario. Um, they got a dog and the fascinating part was that the mom was terrified of dogs. Yeah, you, you heard me correctly. They went out and got a dog, and not not just any dog, guys, uh, a big dog, okay, a big dog, and she's terrified of dogs. Now, they got the dog as a puppy, thinking maybe there would be an adjustment period and, and, and that would help, but nonetheless, I feel like maybe if you have a fear of dogs, then you should try to tackle that fear before going out and getting a dog, right, let alone a big dog, <laughs> because obviously that's going to create problems. You guys know it's, it's going to create some issues. I mean, how in the world, if you were scared of an animal and it's an animal, it's an animal, they pick up on those things. If you have fear of this animal, how are you going to work in a cohesive way with it? Okay. So yeah, they get this big dog and you know, a couple kids in the family, and luckily all the kids are at least older for the most part. But it was just chaos from day one. It really was. And, you know, it, <laughs> I mean, I'm look, I'm sitting here going, what do I say about this? Because I thought I had it all laid out. <laughs> and it was it, 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 chaos, chaos. And I use the word chaos a lot, but this just, my goodness, the dog just did not respond to really any of the family members. And I spent quite a bit of time training with them. Look, the dog ended up coming and spending quite a bit of time with me. And while he was always a little bit hyper <laughs> as a puppy and 
oh my goodness, he was even worse in the hands of the family members. And again, it's a it, it, your your internal feelings are going to be such a direct reflection to your dog. And this dog started becoming so destructive in their house. And when I say destructive, I mean, he like ripped up the stairs. Like they had like a wooden, you know, wooden stairs and a banister and just shredded like the first four steps. Shredded it. Just absolutely shredded it. Now, anytime I have destruction going on with a dog, anytime there's a dog that's being destructive, short of being a very young puppy and teething and some, you know, normal amounts of destruction, not a ripping up stairs. (laughs) level of destruction when I see that there is some there's some really bad personal issues going on okay and so not only are they not exercising this dog and creating the proper structure and boundaries for this dog but they've got their own issues going on and it it's a tough scenario. It's a tough scenario because here I am called in to do dog training, guys. I mean, that's <laughs> anybody out there that works in the dog training world. I'm, I'm, you come across it. You do at some point. And I come across it more often than I than I really I ever thought I would of how much people's personal lives, how much personal drama uh, you you get involved with because you can't really separate the two. You know, as I said, the dog's going to pick everybody knows it. Dogs pick up on those things. So how in the world do you separate, hey, let's train your dog from everything going on in your personal life reflecting upon this? Okay. Now, I talked about a client previously who, um, you know, her, her personal life very much reflected upon her dogs and she was able to conquer it and, and uh, you know, lack of a better phrase, kick butt at it and really made a phenomenal change. However, some people are not ready to make that change. So again, it's like you're, you're, you're training a dog, <laughs> but here you are trying to facilitate a human change. And even recently, you know, I've, I've had a couple clients that are, ugh, I mean, just the personal life and the, the dog, it's, I don't want to get too much into that because, you know, we're talking about this client from years ago today, but, um, wow, you know, Wow how deep some of this stuff can go. So, you know, I tried to help these people. I worked with them for quite a while and I ended up working with the the teenage son, I think more than anybody. And, you know, he, he got it, he understood it, but you can only get so far with one person in a household of like five people, right? If you have four other people influencing this dog with four different ways and you have him trying to trying to bring it all together and he's the only one doing it, it, it's like climbing up a hill that you it's just too steep. You're never going to make it. You know, you, you can keep climbing all day and keep climbing all day, but climb five feet and fall 10, you know, really was a tough scenario. And so I kind of say it to all of you out there that you need to be aware of what you're doing to your dog. And I, I'm not, I'm not trying to like point a finger at you, but th- this, this is the tough part. Again, as I've said, I'm there to train this dog. I'm there to train this dog. And here I am with all this personal stuff. And to me, when I look and I see these situations, I go, you know, who's, you know, who's getting the short end of the stick here, the dog. I mean, the humans are too, you know, the humans are too. They're, they're not living their life in a healthy way. They're not living a balanced life, but in doing so, this dog doesn't live a balanced life. And the dog can't create that stability on their own in a human world. They can't. The human has to create that for them. And so, you know, I end up feeling bad for the dog. I do. 
And it's not helping anybody feeling bad. And it's not. But that's who ends up suffering in the end, if you will. Um, it's a shame because I see these dogs where, you know, I've said it before. I, I, I see it where I can make a difference in this dog's life. But I can't, I can't live with that dog 24-7. It's not my dog. And I can't make that, that, that flip of the switch unless the people are willing to change everything they do with that dog. To change their entire perspective on what that dog is. So I say to all of you out there, take a step back. Look at your dog and think hard and long. Am I doing something that is making my dog anxious? Am I doing my dog a disservice? Because if you are, make a change. Do something different tomorrow than you're doing today. Okay, That's what I love about working with dogs as they live in the moment. That's the incredible thing, guys. A lot of times with these clients like this, I had a client client years ago where um, the dog was just absolutely nuts for them. I mean, nuts, literally like ping-ponging four feet in the air, just wouldn't listen, not done. And I would, (laughs) I mean, it's cracking me up thinking about it. I (laughs) I would literally take the leash from them. They would hand me the leash. I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't do anything else but take the leash and this dog immediately just lied down. Just right there, lied down. Never, I never took this dog for a boot camp or anything like that. Never really worked with it extensively. But this dog, for whatever reason, picked up on, I guess you could say, the good juju I was given off and immediately responded to it without me doing anything else but just being there in the moment. And people think it's like, oh my God, you're magical. It's no, I, I'm here in the moment. That's, I think that's what it really comes down to. You know, yes, of course, I have knowledge of training and, and timing and the concepts and all of that stuff is great. But if I don't mentally put myself here in this moment, then it, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work with dogs if you don't mentally bring yourself to be in the moment as they are. It's interesting. It is. Dogs don't think about 10 seconds from now, 10 seconds ago. They live in the moment. So I have to be that way. I have to. And you have to be that way with your dogs. And you know something? If you're giving your dogs anxiety, you're not living in the moment. Those people definitely didn't live in the moment. And of course, because they didn't, their dog was just... Anxious as anything. You know, the other people do the same thing. Same thing with me taking that leash from that, you know, that client and the dog immediately responding with me doing nothing. It's no different. Those people were anxious because they don't live in the moment. It's the what if, 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 what if. No, live in the moment. Live in the now, guys. That's how that's what dogs do. And I think that's that's the magical elixir of like, oh, that's that magical unspoken thing you do. Whisperer. You're a dog whisperer. No, I'm not. I'm just here in the moment. That's it. <laughs> that's most of it. Really is. But um, anyway. <laughs> so think about if you're giving your dog anxiety. Because I can't tell you how many clients I've run across that have. And I don't want you to be that client. I don't want you to give your dogs anxiety. You guys don't want to give your dogs anxiety. So 
when, when you hire somebody to come in and give you advice, take their advice. Try it. Even if you think they're wrong, try the professional's advice and see if it works. If it doesn't, then hey, you know what? Fire them and you're no different than you were before. But if you're not even going to try their advice, then you're really not in any different position than you were before, right? So, you know, me telling you this story, it's, it's sure, it's a little bit of ranting and venting for me. It's a nice outlet. Can't deny that. Um, but I want you guys to, to take away from that and, you know, really try to have an understanding of the energy, if you will. You know, I don't know if there's a better word for it, but the energy that you give off and give to your dog and what that reflection can do back at you, uh, can reflect back upon you, um, and it really, it comes into play with training your dog. I've seen it too many times where things going on in people's personal lives, they, they bleed over into the dogs and the training. And of course, that's not what we want. We don't want to make our dogs more anxious. So if you do find yourself having a problem like this, guys, I really, I highly recommend hiring a professional in your area, finding a trainer, finding a behavior specialist, seeing if you can't get at the root of the problem and being able to get on a better track to fix it. But one thing you can start doing right now, one thing you can do immediately, live in the moment. Try to start living in the now. Don't think about 10 seconds from now or 10 seconds ago. Live in the now. Now, any of you out there who've been listening to my show regularly, you've heard me talk about Southern Pride Gourmet Foods. Now, look, this isn't an advertisement. This is a straight-up endorsement. Ken Co. over at Southern Pride Gourmet Foods, I know him very well. He's a great guy, small business owner, and more importantly, his products are amazing. Look, I love to cook personally. I really do. I love to cook. I love to be in the kitchen and I, I try to get better. And I, I like to think of myself as a decent chef. <laughs> But I love using Ken's products in the kitchen because they're just so darn good. I can't stress it enough. They're incredible. Uh, look, I, I, I know some of you go, David, dogs and, and food products, they don't really go together. And you're right, they don't. But that's just it. That's how good these things are that I needed to come on my show and give Ken a shout out for this. Give him my endorsement because of how amazing his stuff is. You got to go check it out, guys. SouthernPrideGourmetFoods.com. He ships nation wide. You heard me right. Nationwide shipping. So go check it out. He's got spice rubs that I use on my steaks now all the time. He has got amazing olive oils. He's got barbecue sauces. The spicy, like spicy, spicy apple butter barbecue sauce. That stuff is good. And you can also buy his jams and jellies. I've been using them not only on like toast, but I'm putting them on my proteins like barbecue chicken. Uh, Actually, he makes a, a sweet potato butter. Oh, that was for dinner last night on my barbecue chicken. It was amazing, guys. I can't stress it enough. I'm going to say it again. SouthernPrideGourmetFoods.com. You got to go check it out. And of course, I have to give the endorsement of my favorite product of his, his beef jerky. Oh, he has a ton of different flavors. It practically melts in your mouth. It's literally, I'm not even exaggerating. It's literally the best beef jerky I have ever eaten. You know, I bought some beef jerky for my in-laws for Christmas from Ken. It's already gone, and they've already reordered. (laughs) That's how good this stuff is, guys. I'm not joking around. I'm not messing around. Ken's a small business owner, a good local guy, and that's why I'm here to give him my endorsement, and his stuff is incredible. 
Go check it out for yourself, southernpridegourmetfoods.com. Drop him an email. He's a great guy. You can talk to him directly. He'll make sure you get exactly what you need. Once again, southernpridegourmetfoods.com, where everything that they have is yummy for the tummy. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Pamela in New York City. Pamela says, With COVID-19 and living in the city, it has been difficult to get my dog out and keep him stimulated. Besides the walk and normal fetching a ball, and with my space being very limited, what other things can I do to keep my dog stimulated and happy? You know, it's a good question, uh, Pamela. You know, there's, there's obviously that presents a lot of factors. Being in the city alone, you know, that obviously has its own set of boundaries on how much space you have and being able to just find an empty field and throw a tennis ball with your dog, right? You can't just do that. Uh, I would imagine, again, look, I've never lived in a big city quite like that. And I would imagine that even just getting to a dog park to throw a tennis ball with your dog without being distracted by other dogs or anything like that, or COVID, if you're trying to isolate and you don't want to be around other owners, that's just got to present its own set of of issues, you know. Um, so there are other things you can do. Now, I've talked about creating structure to playtime and, you know. You can create games out of creating structure, right? So put your dog in a sit, stay, teach them a leave it. And what you can do is you can throw the tennis ball and make your dog wait, then release them to go get the tennis ball. Even in a small apartment, even a small area, just creating that sit, stay, wait is a great thing. You can also start to create, uh, you know, if you've got a dog maybe with with a good scent drive, or for that matter, look, guys, your dogs are smart. They can figure this out, and their noses are pretty darn good whether they're a scent dog or not. Uh, you can play a hide-and-seek kind of game with a toy, right? Uh, put your dog in a sit, stay, and start hiding the toy around the house. Now, to create this kind of in a nutshell, to set this up, how we do this is I'll maybe put my dog in a sit and stay, hide the toy behind like a footstool that's maybe 5, 10 feet away from the dog, and let the dog see me hide the toy behind the footstool, then release them and let them find the toy. Then I'll back away a few more feet, find something else to hide it behind, so on and so forth, until I'm building that into walking out of the room and hiding it somewhere out of the room. Now, you can start to make it really tricky, and what you do is you take that toy and you hide it somewhere around the house, but you walk all over the house into every room so your dog doesn't know where you dropped off the toy, right? Now it's got to really use its nose and search for it. That's another great way with you're creating structure to playtime, you're creating rules and boundaries, but you're also giving your dog something to do, giving them a great game to play with you. So there's things like that. How about even just uh, agility within your apartment? right? Really, seriously, agility within your apartment. Teach your dog specific commands so it knows when to hop over certain hurdles. You can go buy a hula hoop, teach your dog to jump through a hoop. It doesn't take much space to do that at all. Um, Teach your dog like a, a mini agility course. There's really a lot of different ways. Tricks, guys, tricks. Teaching your dog tricks. Everybody kind of discounts teaching your dog. So my dog knows how to shake. Yeah, well, if your dog knows how to shake, lie down, speak, drop it, roll over, back up on your, you know, on your feet, on your side, play dead. There's so many different things that you can teach your dog that keeps them happy and stimulated and gives them something to do. And of course, working with your dog like that enriches your bond and relationship. So. There's a couple different things you can do right there just to kind of start and give you a good starting point to give you other activities to do with your dog. Next question. This comes from Andrew in Atlanta. Now, Andrew asks, uh, you know, I know my dog is not supposed to eat grapes and raisins, but 
What are other people foods that I really shouldn't be feeding my dog? What a great question, Andrew. That really is. Um, you know, there is a laundry list. <laughs> no, there's a lot of different things. I'm going to run through them. Not all. I'm not going to talk about the reason why we shouldn't feed our dog each individual item. Some of them I'll, I'll go into more detail. But obviously, as you said, Andrew, grapes and raisins, definitely a big no-no. You do not want to be giving your dogs those. It can be very toxic. Now, to start running down the list, we also don't want to give our dogs avocado, onions, and garlic. Now, I hope this one's pretty obvious. Alcohol. You should not be feeding your dog alcohol, guys. It's really bad news for them. Please don't feed your dogs alcohol, which also kind of brings us to caffeine. We don't want to be giving them tea, coffee, anything like that. Soda. No soda for your dogs. and No caffeine. Soda brings us to the next point. No sugar. Your dog should not be getting sugary foods. Really not good for them either. Milk and dairy products, another thing you should be avoiding. I don't like those Starbucks pop cups. You've probably heard me before if you've listened to this. I don't like them. Just because your dog wants to eat it doesn't mean it's good for them, guys. So I highly recommend avoiding dairy products. And that rich dairy product, like something like a pop cup, also has sugar in it. So you're feeding it rich dairy and sugar. No, no, no. Double the bad, double the terrible, not double the fun. Um, (laughs) Please avoid the dairy and the milk products. Now, also macadamia nuts are not very good for dogs. We all know chocolate. Don't feed your dogs chocolate, especially trying to avoid dark chocolates. We don't want to be feeding our dogs raw meat, raw eggs. Uh, I talked a little bit last segment, or excuse me, last podcast, of course, with Dr. Lyle again. There, we were talking about that again. Uh, we talked about raw diets. You don't want to be feeding your dogs raw foods, guys. They're susceptible to salmonella and all other kinds of bacteria and illnesses that can come about from it. So we want to avoid those raw eggs and raw foods. And the last one I have here on my list, this one's not as well known. Um, I've actually been uh, a little surprised that more owners are not aware of this, and that is xylitol. Xylitol is an artificial sweetener that is finding its way into a lot of different food items, with peanut butter being the most prominent one I'm hearing. Xylitol is toxic to dog guys, dogs. It's really not good stuff for them. Bad news bears right there, okay? Please avoid xylitol. Peanut butters. Every, a lot of people give their dogs peanut butters as a snack. Look, I give peanut butter to help administer medications. You want to make sure you're buying a peanut butter that is a natural peanut butter. Check the back label. The natural is only going to come with sugar, uh, some kind of oil, peanuts, and that's about it. There's not going to be any artificial sweeteners. There's no corn syrup even in the natural peanut butters in Peter Pan, Jif. All of those major companies make a natural peanut butter. So if you're going to be feeding your dog's peanut butter, look for xylitol and please avoid it. Xylitol also finds its way into chewing gums, diet foods. It's in a variety of different things. So please be aware. Please, please, please be aware of xylitol, knowing that it's not good for your dog. And be sure to check that label, especially on a peanut butter container. So, Andrew, great question today. Uh, I know that was kind of a long laundry list there, but a lot of uh, important foods to know that you should avoid with your dog. The answer to today's trivia question, which U.S. president's dog ripped a French ambassador's pants off at the White House? Theodore Roosevelt. Yes, his Boston Bull Terrier Pete. Well, he was actually known to bite quite a few people, quite a few visitors to the White House, including that French ambassador. He reportedly chased down a hallway and then ripped the bottom of his pants off. Our government was not very happy about this, and it actually was potentially going to jeopardize U.S. relations with France. So that bitey dog, well, he actually became banished from the White House. Yeah, they sent him to live at the Roosevelt family home in New York instead. 
today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you haven't clicked that like or subscribe button, be sure you go ahead and do so. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hey, leave me a rating, leave me a review. I would love to know what you guys are thinking. If you have any questions for the listener Q&A, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Find me on Instagram, speakadogcast, Facebook, speakadogcast. Have a wonderful week and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog. Thank you.